Welcome to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. Q is about conversation. If we're really concerned about ending poverty, we've got to be more concerned about creating justice. Our cultural products as Christians need to both defy and resonate with the culture. But God's doing amazing things. His church is expanding, his church is growing. It's not what's the purpose of my life, it's what is the purpose that's been assigned. Stay curious, think well, advance good. This is Q. For a long time, we've been asking the question, you know, what is the next generation looking for in the church? Are they looking for authentic leaders? Are they looking for a community? Are they looking for more relevant messages? Are they looking for dynamic worship? And I believe those, poor, those questions have their place, but I believe we have neglected a much more important question. And the question is not, what is the next generation looking for in the church? But it is, what is Jesus looking for? in the next generation of his church and calling young people into it. And I'll say this, the gospel, the true gospel, the only gospel that is to call people to forsake all and follow Jesus works. It is this gospel that, that cut 3,000 to the heart on the day of Pentecost when Peter stood up and he presented that gospel. and welcome to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons on Faith Radio for this week. I'm Paul Perot, and I guess I would be categorized as a Gen Xer, sometimes called the Baby Busters. And while we're well into our adulthood now, I can remember growing up and early on in adulthood, we were looked down upon by the previous generations. It wasn't long ago that many of the baby boomers and busters like me were looking down on millennials. And then along came Gen Z, those who are now in their teens and early to mid-20s. Gabe, many are worried and scratching their heads about Gen Z. They're concerned about their direction in life, their faith especially. But let's spend some time this week looking at this. I want to just encourage you. There's so many people that think the next generation is falling by the wayside or walking away from the church. And sure, in some of the data, it shows up that there are people walking away from the church. Many of the cases, though, is that the next generation has never properly even heard the gospel. They've not even heard the invitation. They're not just walking away because they've heard it and they've rejected it. So many in this new generation don't even know what Christ talks about, don't even know what the Christian life is. And here at Q Ideas, we've been investing in the next generation, and some of you have been helping us do that. Thank you. The churches that support us, many of you who donate and support our work at qideas.org, you're helping us reach the next generation. Just a few weeks ago, we hosted our first Next Gen Summit, and we brought 200 leaders together ages 16 to 30 years old who are leading in every area of culture. They're young. Many of them, they're athletes or entrepreneurs or have platforms of, of some sort of influence. And yet they wanted to come together because they want to be shaped and formed by Christian leaders who are thinking deeply about the world today, thinking deeply about the church, the culture, and what it means for us to be faithful in the midst of it. And I'll tell you, Rebecca and I went away so encouraged, tears in our eyes, as we watched another generation, because we're getting old, we're in our 40s, <laughs> we're looking back and recognizing that, man... God will move in this next generation, we pray, even more than in our generation. And to start to witness it and see it and taste and see the hunger, the, the palpable desire for God's presence, for His move in their own lives, in our world, in our culture, and everywhere that He's called them, and their generation, mixed with them hearing the hardest-hitting truths about what we believe as Christians, and how counter this is in the current world, in the current order of things, and how much 
courage it's going to take and boldness and true witness to what we believe to be true, even when it flies in the face of the current norms and the current conversations that are happening. And this group was so hungry for that, so hungry, so surrendered, so trusting God with what he's given them in terms of any type of influence or opportunity and wanting to surrender and submit all of that to his authority and walk in that freedom. And I'm telling you, it was a beautiful thing that God's birthing. And so I just want to encourage those of you listening, maybe you have kids in college, maybe maybe you're not seeing this quite yet, but I want to tell you, People are seeing it. The leaders that we had come in and mentor, we had John Mark Comer and Jenny Allen and Jonathan Pakluda and so many others that came in and, and gave witness to what they were experiencing too as they watched this next gen. Yeah, that next gen summit was fantastic. And all of the videos are up now at the Q Media platform. If you're not a member yet, don't forget, you can ask for a 30-day free trial subscription at qideas.org. Now, to whet your appetite, we want to take a few minutes to hear from one of the conversations from the Next Gen Summit. Gabe mentioned his wife, Rebecca, was part of it, as was Jen Allen from the If Gathering, and Jonathan Pakluda, pastor of Harris Creek Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. They were part of a panel discussion around the topic of conviction. After talking about the subject, they opened it up to questions from these young people who were there. Now, let's listen to one of the questions asked and the responses. Hey, y'all. I'm Nigel. I write and I teach. I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. Um, My question deals primarily with identity. I think that the greatest tension that we're facing as a culture, not just as Christians, but the world at large, is the struggle for who we truly are. We see people easily get swept away every day, not just in the church, but also back into the world. And I think that if we live lives that um, are authentic and we operate in the purpose that we were called to through understanding our identity, we can also invite other people into that same image they were created into. So can you all speak to... um, what it looks like, or maybe just give some tidbits of wisdom on what it looks like for each of us in this room to understand the authentic sense of identity that we were created in and what it looks like to let God work that out in us individually. I would just say your identity is not your Enneagram number. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Or or your personality type or... Or whatever diagnosis the doctor gives you. It's just not your identity. It, it, might, it might define something that you've come up against. It might help people understand what you, what you face. But because I have a, two children with Down syndrome, I, can, I got to live this in such a way that it's like they're Cade and Joy. And that's who they are. That's their names. That's who they are. And God sees them as beloved. And so when we come back to identity as beloved chosen, appointed, set apart, right? Like everything else is secondary to that. And so attach yourself to that belovedness and then God will actually just help you with all the rest of it. But lead in the way you talk about things to be like, I'm this, I'm that. Because even by saying I'm ADD, I'm, you know, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, like it's basically just telling people I've I've received that identity over me and I'm agreeing with it, which makes it a lot harder for God to do some deliverance there um, versus going, these are the things that have come against me, but I trust that God is bigger and nothing's beyond the cross and the resurrection. So that's just one way to look at identity is how we agree. The enemy accuses and gets us to agree. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you, and we could talk a lot about what you're not. So you're not your followers. You're, you're, you're not your handle. You're not your job. You're not your past. Uh, you're not the things that have uh, that you've done, and you're not things that have done to you. 
you were created in the Imago Dei, which just means in the image of God. And that, that, just that idea has deep theological implications on your life that, that the creator God made you and he made you for a purpose and that everyone, you know, every single one of you has been made in his image. And so like I, a lot of you have a thousand dollar phones in your pocket. I have one over there that my son's playing with somewhere and, and you can buy that exact same phone for twenty seven ninety nine uh, that looks the same and functions very similar. It just wasn't made by Apple. And so the, the designer, right, kind of gets to determine the value. And if you want to say, say different, you could say, well, no, what someone is willing to pay for it determines the value. And I say, great, we can go with your argument because God was willing to pay his son for you. And so he's given you infinite value. And the reason why I think that's so important for this room is because I, I wake up every day, and maybe this is one of those practices, um, and, I, and I expect to be canceled. So I'm not caught off guard when it happens, okay? So just like, just like one day, they'll be like, hey, you know, Instagram's deleted your account and whatever, whatever that is, right? And, and people no longer want to listen to you because you took a strong stance that they disagreed with. And, and now you're a nobody, and that's okay, right? And, and so I'm okay right now living in that future reality because I'm not any of those things, and I hope that's true. Now, there's a part of me, I'm also human and insecure and, and have all of these things that I fight just like every one of us does, right? Every one of you does. And so as I, I try to put those to death and I say, all right, what I am more than anything else is a child of God. Like I know the creator, I am a son, I belong to him, and he's purchased me through the blood of Jesus Christ. Come on, come on. Again, that was Rebecca Lyons and Jonathan Pecluda responding to one of the questions posed to them during the Next Gen Summit recently here at Q. As insightful as their answers were, I was really taken by the reactions of the young people attending. Again, that was just from the session on the topic of conviction. But Gabe, there was so much more that was discussed during the Next Gen Summit a few weeks back. Justin Gibney was a part of this, talking about politics. We talked about polarization with Show Baraka. Some of the people that have been around Q forever, Andy Crouch was weighing in on teaching this next gen how to think well about culture. It was all this information that I wish I had heard 20 years ago, and, and now they're getting to hear it. So God is up to something really unique in this generation. And the conversation you're going to hear today, that was a really long setup, because I, I really want you to, as you listen to this conversation, I want you to understand that Luke Lefevre, who's about to be interviewed and was part of our latest Culture Summit, he represents hundreds, if not thousands, of others in his generation with a level of passion, concern, thoughtfulness, and boldness and courage that is going to be needed in our world in the days ahead. And so in this conversation, Grant Skeldon, who's our next-gen director at Q Ideas, leads this conversation with Luke, and we get into his story and, and what it has meant for him to lead a movement here in the Nashville area. Uh, and with his new organization he founded called Revival Coalition, which focuses on inspiring and mobilizing young adults to see this generation reached with the gospel. And he led a Gen Z gathering. So Gen Z, we're talking 24 years of age and younger in Dallas, Texas, just a couple of weeks ago, bringing them together for a free gathering to just, again, continue to ignite in their generation something very special. And so Luke Lefevre, somebody pay attention to, um, but understand that God's at work. Be encouraged. Let's listen to now. Luke, I, I'm excited.
excited for these guys to hear this story, but I, they kind of, Gabe kind of mentioned it, but yeah. could you share just a little bit of what God's doing in Nashville and what you've been yeah. privileged to be a part of? Yeah. It's a very long story. I'll try to condense it as quick as I can, but... Um, About 18 months ago, my friend Daniel McLeod and I, Daniel's in the room here today, uh, we heard about these high school students who had been throwing raves. And if you don't know what a rave is, it's basically where, if you think of a college, craziest college frat party you can think of, and it's high school students, and they put on dance music, throw these parties, and uh, they had had about 400 of their friends start showing up for these parties, only about 30 minutes from where we are right now here in Nashville. We heard about this, uh, these these raves that were taking place and we felt like the Lord spoke to us and said, I'm gonna open the door for you to preach the gospel at these raves. And we thought there is no way that that, like, we're, like Lord, how on earth would that happen? But we believe you and we're gonna take a step of faith. And so Daniel and I reached, we, through a long series of events, got in contact with these students. And part of the strategy we felt like the Lord gave us was he said, I want you to reach out to another friend of ours in the city. His name's Kenny Alonzo and he leads a ministry called Rocket Town that has a venue here. And we felt like the Lord said, Take, ask Mr. Alonzo who is about reaching the next generation, will you give us this venue for free as a bargaining piece to say, hey guys, we'll give you a free venue if you allow us to take the last 30 minutes of your rave to share the gospel. And Mr. Alonzo immediately says yes. And so we get into this meeting with him and we said, hey, here's the, here's the story. We said, we have a venue um, that can hold about 1,100 people and we'll give it to you for free under two conditions. You give us the last 30 minutes of your rave to share about how Jesus has changed our life And number two, you have to take all the money you would have put into paying for a venue and you have to pump it into advertising and get as many kids there as possible. (laughs) So they agree. The day of the rave comes and over a thousand high school students show up for the rave. And so we get on the platform, we share the gospel. And this was, uh, to be clear, this was an explicit call to follow Jesus, to, to leave all, to forsake all, to follow Jesus. This wasn't a, who wants more of Jesus in your life? Do you want a little bit better, uh, you know, more peace in your life? Do you want a closer walk with God? This was a call to repent and follow Jesus. And when we gave the call, close to 500 high school students responded to the gospel. And out of that, there what we have follow, we had a follow-up event planned. Daniel had started a high school ministry called Wilco United, and that was relaunched out of the gathering. The next weekend, 600 high school students show up for a worship and prayer night where the gospel was presented again, chance for follow-up. Um, but one of the, the parts of this story that just even happened recently was the very first person to respond on the night of the rave was a, a high schooler named Jake, who was one of the two boys who had been putting on the event and he ran across the stage and he grabbed Daniel and I and he said today was for me he said my life has changed forever and about uh, four months ago Jake was driving and he fell asleep at the wheel and Jake passed away and his family called us and said if we if we know one thing Jake would want the gospel to be shared at his memorial service now Jake was probably the most popular high school student I've ever heard of in my entire life and at his memorial service over 1500 people came and college students and high school students from all over and the opportunity to share the gospel was given once again and Daniel and I were given the chance to share the gospel and when the gospel was presented again, a call to leave all and follow Jesus, the first people to respond were Jake's family and close to 500 young people responding to the gospel again. And this was just about three months ago. I mean, praise God.
I, I, I meet Luke and I just feel like the boldness of his, his, his confidence in the gospel just moves me. It, uh, it makes me wonder, I mean, I get asked, we, I'm sure you get asked all the time, what do we do to reach this next generation? I mean, we got pastors and leaders in the room that might be wondering, how, they might be nervous, like, how do I connect? How do I relate um, to this next generation? Um, how do I preach in a way that can connect? What, what would be your advice to them and your calling to them when they're preaching to the next generation and yeah. trying to lead them? I think I would say a couple things. I think, firstly, um, I think for a long time, we've been asking the question, you know, what is the next generation looking for in the church? Are they looking for authentic leaders? Are they looking for a community? Are they looking for more relevant messages? Are they looking for dynamic worship? And I believe those, por- those questions have their place, but I believe we have neglected a much more important question. And the question is not, what is the next generation looking for in the church? But it is, what is Jesus looking for? in the next generation of his church and calling young people into it. And I'll say this, the gospel, the true gospel, the only gospel that is to call people to forsake all and follow Jesus works. It is this gospel that that cut 3,000 to the heart on the day of Pentecost when Peter stood up and he presented that gospel. This is the gospel that turns cities and turns nations upside down. It's the gospel to leave all and follow Jesus. And I would say more than thinking, do we have to be relevant? The gospel is always relevant because the only thing that changes lives. And you know, I think we have been trying to figure out, you know, how do we get people to come? What would we say and even when we look at the next generation in the church you know we're talking about how how do you know with gen z what do we do you know we just been talking about people outside the church but i would say inside the church you know the, the word says in second chronicles 16 9 that the eyes of the lord are searching to and fro throughout the whole earth seeking to show himself strong present tense seeking to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are fully devoted to him. And when we look at America and people would say, is America too far gone? Is the next generation too far gone? I would say the question has never been, is it in God's plan to save America, to save a nation, to turn a nation upside down? The question is only, will he find in us that which his eyes have sought for? Hearts fully devoted. And I believe God is calling a generation to consecration, to holiness, to a life laid down on the altar before God, because that's the life that God can use. And you know, D.L. Moody once said that the world is yet to see what God will do with the person who is wholly consecrated to God. And I believe if we can get a consecrated generation, you know, this, what I think will be extremely relevant in the days ahead is calling a generation to radical holiness, to audacious faith in God. What do we really believe that God can do? And if we'll call a generation into that, I believe if we get a consecrated generation, we will get a revival generation. So... I, I told you I was going to ask you one hard question that what yeah. I was going to surprise you with. Okay. I want to know what makes you feel like you're qualified to, to do all this. I mean, yeah. you're, you just got married. Yeah. You are young. Mm-hmm. You haven't been to seminary. You don't even work in full-time ministry. Why do you think you're qualified to do a, a big vision like what God's called you to? You know, I'd honestly say I don't think I've ever asked myself that question. Um, I... <laughs> But I would say the reason for it is this. When you, we have a generation that's so, that's so badly going after his influence and it's going after, we've, we've, we've lost going after Jesus. And I just, you know, people are like, man, Luke, you're so bold. I'm like, I'm not bold. I just feel like once you get close to God, stuff doesn't scare you. 
You know, it's like if we are close to God, you know, if you have Isaiah who sees God and this, this man who has spent his life trying to be good and trying to follow God and, and he just goes, woe is me. And it's like when you have a picture of that God, of course you believe that a nation can be turned upside down. I fully believe that we will see revival in America in our generation. And I don't think it may look like what we have thought it would. I don't think it will look like what it has looked like in the past. And you know, I think so many people are asking, what is the method to reaching the next generation? I think of the words of E.M. Bounds who wrote in the, early, or the late 1800s, early 1900s, he said, the church has been looking for better methods, but God is looking for better men and women men and women of prayer, of consecration. And I think if we will come before God and we will just say, the the only method that I know to reaching the next generation is to get on our face before God, to fast and to pray, to seek God. And when he speaks, obey and watch what happens. And I believe we can see a nation turned upside down. I mean, doesn't... One of the biggest things that I took from, from Luke is just, I feel like every generation does something. They, uh, I feel like the extra generation kind of made church a little comfortable so that people would want to be there. I feel like the millennial generation went after causes, so we wanted, we wanted to change the world, but we also kind of unfortunately tried to make church cool and Jesus cool. But he's only, you only make Christianity so cool. It's not supposed to be cool. I, I, when I see you, I just see you chasing after Christ and that that's, that's what we need. That's all that we have. Um, yeah. And last in closing, just real quick, what, uh, you got a lot of parents. Who's parents of the next generation here? You got kids that are under 30. You got a lot of parents. What would be your advice, tough love advice for how do we raise this next generation in a world that's wildly uh, far from him and yeah. leaving the church and as dark as it is? Yeah. Well, you know, um, my mom is here, actually. She's probably going to make me cry. Um, but my mom, you know, she used to have something on. I'm sorry. I think she's more qualified to answer this than me. But she used to have something on our our fridge growing up. And I'm going to butcher this, but it was essentially raising the next generation is too important to leave it to chance or to believe that someone else will do a good job. My parents were tenacious with compromise in my life. They went after it. And I think we have parents... And I'm not a parent, so I can't speak to this authoritatively, but what I see so much in our generation, we've talked about how a generation is deconstructing their faith right now. And, you know, the word says that if you train up a child in the way they should go when they are old, they will not depart from it. And while it's important to ask questions, there are lots of questions that I ask, there are lots of questions that I pursued answers to, but I don't think what we should have is a generation that's just losing their mind and going off in whatever they think that they should do, whatever compromise they think they should fall into, we should just say, oh, well, they'll figure that out eventually. I think that the most powerful discipleship structure in the world is parents. And I think if we have parents that will be tenacious of going after compromise in the lives of our kids, I think this will be the biggest key to seeing a nation turn back to God. Can y'all get up for Luke?
Well, this is Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. And if you came into today's show deeply worried about Gen Z, I think now you probably have a, a fresh hope. And Gabe, what can I say but wow, God is doing some amazing things in our teens and young adults. Well, I knew you'd be encouraged by hearing that. I mean, it just does something to your heart to hear someone who's young really speak these truths that you've known throughout your whole life, but maybe maybe they've grown a bit dormant. Maybe that hasn't been as fresh for you. And, you know, when he, when he says, I believe if we get a consecrated generation, we will get a revival generation. I mean, think about the spiritual maturity of that thought, that we're not going to have revival without holiness. And to hear that spoken to the youngest of generations, to our kids, to our teenagers, to hear that courage and boldness just fires me up. I'm encouraged. I'm excited about what's coming. It is very exciting. And Gabe, really, I got to thank you for not just addressing the topic as a topic. You're going deeper and you're engaging the next generation. You did that at the Culture Summit this past spring and just a few weeks ago at the Next Gen Summit, as we heard earlier in this week's show. Again, with these young leaders like Luke, who we heard from today, or others we featured like Gabrielle Odom a few months ago, God is doing amazing things in these young people. Now, this is one of those conversations, again, everything that you hear on this podcast, you can watch it. You can watch it at Q Media. You can get that on your Apple TV. You can get that on your laptop. You can airplay it on a screen in a youth group. I would encourage any of you who have children, like, watch this talk together. Go have a conversation about What is this doing in their hearts when they hear this? Are they hearing this at their schools? Are they hearing this at their church? Let this just be a spark and use it as a leader to ignite and to cast vision and to inspire so that they start to taste and see like, this is happening. God's on the move. You're not alone if you're feeling it in your heart, but you're not seeing it manifest in the physical sense. You can watch this talk at Q Media. If you're not a subscriber, which can subscribe, that supports our work at $7.99 a month. It helps us continue to do more and more of these conversations, this content. But you can have a free trial for 30 days and go watch this talk, airplay it, use it, qideas.org slash trial. And you'll get your free 30 days and then get in this journey with us. Continue to share this podcast with others. Share this with your friends. Make this an episode that more and more people are talking about that just starts to ignite in all of us a sense of what God just might be up to in this next generation. And let's be those that are encouraging it, are feeding it, are strengthening it, are resourcing it so that God can do the work that only he can do through those who've made themselves available. Until next week, I hope you're encouraged. I hope you're fired up. Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons is made possible in partnership with Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Thanks again for listening. Thank you for listening to the Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make your gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or on your podcast player. And thank you for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons.